Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. I'm Matt Stein from, where am I from? Working Concept in Seattle. Jeez. <laughs> oh, and today we have <laughs> Jack, Jack McDade uh, from Statamic. Statamic. How are you doing, Jack? I'm good. How are you? Well, first, let's settle the the score on this. What is the proper pronunciation? <laughs> of pronunciation or of statomic? Of both. Uh, <laughs> I, need uh, I don't care what you call it as long as you use it. The original intention was statomic, but I think most people say statomic because that's what it looks like. And uh, I just, I just really don't care anymore. Well, you invented it. You get to tell people, you know, exactly what, what, uh, how they should pronounce it. But let's talk about what it is. So if you were down in Louisville, Kentucky at the Laracon catching wild Pokemon and someone walked up to you and said, hey, what is this Statomic thing? What would you tell them? Uh, I'd say it's a content management system that's uh, designed to be faster and more efficient than most I don't know if that's a good enough no, that's answer. Perfect. Is like this is is this somebody from Laracon? Can I be technical about it, or is this a person on the street? <laughs> well, you're in the middle of catching Pokemon, so you're not. You, it has to be concise. So I think you yeah. did a great job. Yeah, oh, cool, awesome. Describing what it is. So what, yeah. where did let's do a little bit of history on it, and then we'll yes. talk about the the features of it, and then we can get into some other really awesome work that you're doing on Statomic three. Yes, sweet. <laughs> um, so where did the idea of doing, like, what gave you the crazy idea that you should make your own CMS anyway? Like, what happened? Oh, I don't know. That's a really, if I could go back and undo it. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, I feel like it's all right. So a CMS is something like every developer is supposed to build at some point and then usually throw it away and mm. be like, I'm never doing that again. And so I just never gave up. And so I'm still doing it. But so the the main idea behind Statomic was I had I'd done a lot of expression engine sites back in like the, you know, 2008 and 9, 2010. Mm -hmm. um, oh, the good old days. The good old days of the internet. And I had, I think I kept running into the same problem that I'm sure everyone who's built a site with a CMS has is like once you launch the site and then you need to make changes to it and the client doesn't stop updating content, you're like, how do I tell them to don't edit the site so I can take the database down, bring it back down to local, put the content in, like make night changes and put the database back up under production. And then, mm -hmm. oh no, they've edited it again, even though I told them not to. And so I have to bring the database back down and do the changes again. And like that whole, that cycle of like how I can't keep my development site in sync with the production site. Yeah. I mean, the whole building a CMS is great. Like everything about it is awesome. The thing that that ruins it is clients. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Like if we yeah. didn't have clients and it really wouldn't, we wouldn't need as many different platforms and tools. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Um, this, I would be, I'd be doing something else. So I thought, all right, well, is it possible that I could do everything without the database and that way it can use version control and just like push changes up to the server. And so went about building Statomic and seeing like what, what the limitations would be, what can we do without a database? And it turns out it's like really almost nothing. We were able to recreate everything. And it's like, it's a lot harder. We've put, if we just didn't do the flat file thing, we probably would be making more money and spending less time, but I wanted to solve the problem and it's, and it works really, really well. And uh, it's made a lot of developers really happy. So I don't, I don't regret it. It sounds like I'm complaining, but it's actually been a pretty awesome ride and uh and we're you know bigger and better than ever well so you kind of looked around and you said well hey there's this thing called git 
and it does versioning. Like, yeah. why don't I kind of make that the CMS? Is that kind of what you're going for here? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like there was, um, Jekyll had just come out, like the like those early static site generators had just started to show up in 2012 when I started building Statomic. And uh, I was like, oh, this is really cool. I don't have to worry about. So like there was, what was it? Jekyll and Stacy, I think was a Hugo, like early yeah. Hugo, right? And I said, you know, these are great, but I can't hand these off to a client. There's no control panel. So it has right. to have a control panel. Right. And so if I have a control panel, but can I can I do the Jekyll, Stacy, Hugo thing without, uh, you know, but run it through, uh, you know, a framework? Can I use PHP and have this happen like live on the on the fly dynamically? And I said, I wanted a static site, but I wanted to run it dynamically. And so I took the word static and dynamic and static. That's where I came from. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's. Yeah, that's where it comes from. And, and that, that actually always confused me that Statomic, it's not really a static generator, though. No, right? it's not. Yeah. No, I, and I, I don't know if I've never decided if it was worth like a, an educational campaign to like just tell the world Statomic is not a static site generator. Like, but it's not. It's a, it's a full blown CMS and it just works like a, every other CMS that you're used to, except the content is not stored in the database, it's stored in flat files. And then all those files are kind of compiled into uh, like a JSON API kind of concept that then is queried by like the different dynamic features that your site has, like, you know, but tags to pull through your entries and like forms and users and all that stuff. But it's in the name. It's in the <laughs> I, I guess that's what that's what confused me. And, yeah. and speaking of names, by the way, Jack McDade yeah. is like a fantastic pirate name, mm. you know? Like I, I could definitely see someone be like, there be there lies the grave of Jack McDay. <laughs> I can totally <laughs> see that. Shores of the yeah, I don't know. I, he I could totally see. <laughs> he he told everyone there be no databases here, matey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Matt, Mercy you were gonna can walk the plank. <laughs> you were gonna say something earlier, Matt. I kind of cut you off. I, I was. I thought so. I mean, I have a I have a question. But Do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, when did you decide? So you'd, you'd figured out that this could be done. When did you decide, okay, when did it go from like a, a private experiment to something that you were actually going to release and, and decide to maintain? I think it went from like didn't exist to selling it in like four months. Uh, it was wow. pretty fast. And in hindsight, it was pretty like unfinished. But it was, we wanted, you know, it solved the use case that we had. And mm. as soon as it did the things that I felt it was important that it did, which was, you know, have pages and have like collections where you could have blog posts or news posts or like whatever. And it worked and, you know, it was quick and fast. We just like, we put it out there and we slapped the price tag on it and it just, it actually sold really well, like immediately. And mm. I got super excited. And then like after the initial, you know, <laughs> oh. you know then like the slow hockey's stick of yeah, the the opposite hop stick yeah yeah the, <laughs> the sad stick and what was and, the original pricing on it was it like 19 dollars or something uh I, th I think it was 29 dollars for okay. a personal license and yep. 99 for a commercial all right and like our competition was priced like um there was oh they're still around like kirby and perch were like right in between they had like 59 or like 79 mm -hmm. euros and I thought, all right, 99 bucks, that'll be like the pro version. And then I really want people to use it who aren't going to spend money on their site. And so we had that personal license for 19 bucks. Right. And then down the road, we added some like validation. And it turns out 
like 80% of our users were using personal licenses. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, oh, what did we do? Whoops. Um, whoops. Like it turns out we should have feature blocked that, right? So you get more features with the pro version. That's, you know, one of those things you learn over time. Yeah. I think um, you blew Matt's fuzzy little brain when you said that you went from idea to release in four months. Because Matt, you, you have a little release anxiety, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just don't. I have mountains of, of private things I don't release. And one of my goals this year is to actually just stop relying on them or make them public. And it's... It oh, sounds, yeah. Jack, it, 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 yeah, Jack, it sounds like you were like, well, it solves the thing for me. So let's see if it solves it for anyone else, right? That's it. We'll just, we'll just yeah. test it live. Like your user research is, will people spend money on it? And, you know... <laughs> When they did, I said, "Okay, well now we, you know, we add, we do support. We like, oh, you have a bug, we'll fix the bug." And you know, it was fine. Like there was weird bugs, and there was, you know, in hindsight, like we probably should have fixed some stuff that we didn't test or like whatever. But if we waited forever, we maybe wouldn't have even got it out. And you know, uh, I'd rather have something out than nothing. And uh, you know, it's different. Once it's out, you have to treat it differently, right? So you have you can't just like push new features out that are broken. You have to take more right. time and. So our release cycles have grown a lot slower, but it already does so much that it doesn't, you don't have to I mean, iterate so quickly. What you said reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from uh, someone I don't even know. I just follow her on Twitter is Charity Majors. She has a quote that says, I test in production and so do you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful because it's so true, you know? Yeah, um, it's true. So... When was the actual, let's, let me pin down the release date. Cause I'm a little bit fuzzy on it. Like what was the actual like year and month that Statomech was first out? Uh, June 19th, 2012. And you're never going to forget that, right? No, it's my dad's <laughs> birthday. And I know it was 2012 cause that's just one number I need to remember. And it's not that hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So we're coming and, up uh, on seven years. Wow. Right? Uh, Carry the one. So yeah. do you have the seven year itch yet? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. But I just, I just ignore it. It's fine. I have plenty of like side projects and hobbies to take care of that. And, you know, we're, you know, Statomic 3, we're working pretty hard on that. I've been on that for almost a year now and it's like everything I never thought Statomic could be. And so, yeah, it's exciting and it's new and fresh. And, yeah. So I want to get to that. There's tons of yeah. stuff I want to talk to, uh, talk to you about for, uh, Statomic 3. But I also want to talk a little bit about how how the heck does some of this stuff work if you're doing like, let's say you, you've got blog entries mm-hmm. and you want to do what in a uh, a CMS where you had like a, a, a SQL database or something where you wanted to do a search to find all of the blog entries that were tagged such and such. Mm-hmm. How do you do a query when you just have static files? Like how does that work? Sure. So we kind of optimize around common patterns, like if, mm. to have completely arbitrary query. Like we don't, we don't match SQL queries one-to-one, but we match use cases. Right. And I think that's the key. And mm-hmm. so we'll create, and we have the, the caching system. We call it the stash. That's where we kind of take all of your content. They're all YAML files and markdown or, you know, textile or HTML, or whatever you save it as, you can customize how your data is stored and what you mm-hmm. work, work with it as. We compile all that into the stash and then we create indexes based on that data. And so we know like when you have tags, for example, if you want to like pull by tags, like we, we have 
we separate all the taxonomies and we store those in the IDs, like all the entries get IDs injected into them. And then we mm. can just store like indexes and references to them. And when you want them, like we can pull them really fast, unless your site is huge. Like, honestly, if your site is 10,000 entries or more, you shouldn't be using Statomic, at least Statomic version two. We yeah. have, you know, version three, and we'll get to that later. We have new stuff. But yeah, like those those indexes actually work really, really well. And they, you know, they are per taxonomy per collection and you can sort and filter and order and, you know, like more often than not, like you'll never notice the difference that there's no database there. But if you have an index, it sounds like you have, you're kind of building your own little database. Yeah, but it's, but it's built on the fly, right? So right. You, you don't have to ever think about maintaining your, you know, your normalized database you don't have mm. auto-indexed uh, IDs and all that stuff. You just edit your files. And then, you know, when you you know launch your site, like if Statomic will detect if you have uh, files changed and it'll just like recompile your cache and you can do that. You know, that, that process, like the cache compilation, the bigger your site, the longer it takes, like on a small hundred page site. I mean, it's like a split second, but on a big site, it might be two or three seconds or 10 seconds. As long as you're not doing that every request, like you're fine, right? So... There may be a request here or there that here or there that is slow, but basically the the once that is built, the site is really snappy. So here's the part that I don't understand and okay. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Is let's say I've got I've built my awesome Statomic site and my content editors are are logging into it and they're editing stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's writing out, you know, YAML files with their content or whatever. Mm-hmm. How do how do I then get that back down into my local dev or staging environments? Because wouldn't that be, if everything is checked into Git, yep. wouldn't that effectively be changing the Git repo? And then when we do a deploy, it's going to complain about the fact that files have changed and they're not checked in and yada, yada, yada. Like, how does that work? Yeah, sure. There's a couple ways you can do that. The easiest is we have an add-on called, it's just a, a free little add-on you can install. It's called Spock. And Spock is a little commander that listens to all the file change events in your system. So if you save mm-hmm. a, you know, a blog post, you add a new upload an image, you, you know, edit your homepage or whatever, uh, it'll see that event and it will run a, you know, get commit for you and put, and then push that back to your repo. So oh, that's cool. As you know, <laughs> if you're working on a staging server or a production server, it's just like commit, push, commit, push, all those changes are going up. You can look back, see what everybody did. You know, you can configure to use their usernames and their avatars and all that stuff. And so that stuff happens. And if you go to push your changes from dev, just do a git pull rebase, git push, you're done. Right. I mean, that that's really neat. So does, if, does Spock use, um, God, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Is it like the IO wait notify or something like that? Um, to, to watch files? Uh, it uses, um, I mean, we're running Laravel and there are, we've got Fly System and Symphony Process kind of do a lot of the heavy lifting. And we'll just, um, you know, we we scan like the, the inodes or whatever on the, the folders to see if there's anything changed inside. And, you know, we trigger stuff that way. But yeah, like in the control panel, specifically when Spock is working, when you click save, like we we manually or Statomic will automatically fire a content changed event. And then that payload will kind of determine what happens next. And the reason I'm asking is I wrote something many, many years ago for someone that essentially he wanted to be able to just upload videos and and audio files and then have it automatically kick off a process that would then transcode these things. Mm, right? Sure, sure. And I use something called I notify wait. Okay. Which was it's like a, a Unix package that will just watch this. But it makes sense now that I think about it that you wouldn't use that because 
you don't know what the server environment is going to be. Uh, right. That, that's it's a more complicated thing for the, you know, kind of this yeah. quote unquote average developer to set up. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, those, when files change, they generally are changed because uh, a manual action has taken place, like save or upload, like an actual user action in the control panel. And then we just right. fire an event at that point, And then we run, you know, a, a command line event or a command, command line command. You know, a symphony process command that will do that git commit. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Patrick, you were going to say something before. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's just really impressive. And, and uh, yeah, the, the fact that all that stuff could just flow back up into git is uh, pretty cool. Now, I was just waiting to see how long it's going to be until you ask what the SEO plugin uh, scene looks like over in their marketplace. <laughs> oh, me? No, I actually contacted, <laughs> I actually contacted Jack um, a little while ago and said, hey, you know, what do you think? Should I port this thing over? You know? What did I and say? Jack, no, please said don't no. compete you, with my first party add-on. No, you said <laughs> you said no, you said nothing. You said nothing. I did not reply. Yeah. No, you never wrote back. So I'm oh, like, oh, I'm okay. I, I, I don't care. You should do it. That's that's my official response <laughs> now. Is you should do it. <laughs> well, now I want to do it just because well, I you think you do don't it. want me to do it. So now I, think I want you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm totally interested. So I yeah I. What kind of caught my attention and got like I, I'd known about Statomec for a while, but what kind of got me reengaged and interested was I saw you were doing a series of of blog posts mm-hmm. where you were talking about stuff that you were working on, mm-hmm. and it was really cool. Not just from the point of view of oh wow, I didn't know that this was going to be in uh, Statomec, but also just from the point of view of like a, a developer's journal, you know, in terms of like this is what we're building and. It's obvious that you're very excited about the stuff that you're building. I think the first post that really got me interested was the stacks on stacks. <laughs> on stacks. So we're going to... Yeah. On stacks, on stacks, on stacks, like is. box on socks, right? Yes. So we're going to start talking about Statomic 3. So what are some of the cool things that you're doing with Statomic 3? Uh, let's talk about the stacks. Like, what are stacks? Sure. Uh, what is that? I mean, stacks are just a, a relatively simple UI uh, paradigm that we, I, I'm not, I don't even think we invented it there. You know, we've seen it before, but no one, no one has invented and like everything no, no, is borrowed from everything, new. but you, you know, you kind of find patterns and you use them in new creative ways and then yeah. they feel fresh. Right. All so, that, all that really matters is who does it best. That's it. <laughs> like, or, or what it yeah. really matters is, is it solving the UX problem that right. you have, right? Like it yeah, doesn't, the, the Apple, doesn't the Apple iPod was not the first MP3 player, but no. it was the first one that did it really well. Exactly. You know? So, yeah. yeah. So stacks are really, you know, they're, they're not unlike a modal window, but they're full height and almost full width. And they slide in from the right hand side of the screen and mm-hmm. cover up most of your screen. And then if you open up another one, it will slide over that one and on top. And the whole idea behind that is if you're going to be, if you're in an, an entry, so you're editing uh, your homepage and you have like featured articles that you're picking from a list, right? You want to pull up your, your like news articles and you want to edit that news article instead of like opening it in another tab and then like making a change and then saving it and like refreshing the first entry and like doing that whole thing. You just click it open, you click edit and it will slide in on a stack and you can edit that entry right there. And if you're like, oh, you know, actually I want to edit this image. And so you click edit image, that'll slide in on top. You edit the image, you click save, it slides off to the right. Then you're back to the entry you're editing. You click save, it slides back off to the right and you're back to where you started. So it's yeah. it's like contextual stacking so that you right. can work through your workflow the way that you think about it. like the And then come back, 
you know, back through that tangent that you were taking to your original thing. And, you know, you're probably not going to get eight or 10 deep in the real world. It works. Mm. It goes to like 12 before you can't even see the leftmost one. Um, <laughs> and you can- you How know, far you, do you let people go or is there a limit? There is, uh, I'm trying to remember. We like may if like, I had a super wide screen, could I look, put like 20 up there? Yeah, you probably could. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you'd want to, but there, I, exactly. there was no yeah. reason for us to say, well, after 13, you can't because maybe there's a use case for 14. Yeah. And so, right. you know, at, at some point you just realize, what am I doing? Like I should probably yeah. just click pop open and just like work on that thing. Um, so if you watch the, and we're going to link to some of your blog posts and the, the videos so where people can see this, but if you see this stacks in action, it's really slick. It's really slick because you're editing something and then, oh, I want to look at this thing that I'm referencing in the the post or whatever that I'm editing. You just click and it just slides in and then you've got the context right there and then you can slide it right back out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to make the most random reference possible mm -hmm. regarding what kind of this reminded me of when I first saw it. So I've okay. got kids. And one of their favorite things is uh, this Captain Underpants book. La, right? la, la. Yeah. Yes. yes. And he's got this flipporama thing <laughs> where you flip back and forth between the pages, where you go from one context to another. <laughs> and you can kind of emulate that with the stacks because you can flip to one context and then back to the other one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I love you it. Could, you could do a Captain Underpants animation using uh, stacks. Yeah, we could. We should. In <laughs> fact, when you open a stack, it really should go tra-la-la. -la. That should definitely... <laughs> happen until we get sued and then we'll just take it out you'll corner the market of uh very young content editors i mean you gotta start young right i mean what was it cigarette ads back in the day be like hey here's some, some candy marlboros and then yeah they all you know they all had like a friendly mascot or yeah, whatever it's yeah. a terrible idea uh, but I, I i just thought stacks was really cool thanks. because it was so, it was one of those things that i was like you know i've always wanted this but i didn't know that i did yeah until it, i saw in it. hindsight it's like, oh yeah that it's so obvious. Like, why did nobody come up with I, I don't mean to be insulting. Like, it, it just immediately made sense. And it made me wonder why more things aren't doing exactly that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that tricky to build compared to the other things we've done. It was, you know, a, a day or two. Right. You know, in terms of like actually just getting it done and working. But yeah, it, it's some, sometimes the right solution seems so simple once you've found it. And right. then that's when you know, you're like, oh, this was a good one. This was a good solution. You're like, why didn't I think of that? And yeah, so did, did you have that problem in mind and you were looking for ways to solve it? Or did you, was that just one of those things that you kind of saw something somewhere and had a sudden idea for it? Uh, yeah, I was trying to find the right pattern for inline editing. So I wanted to be able to pop open an entry and edit data in it. And we started with a little pop out that was kind of like a, a modal, but it was attached, you know, like absolutely right. positioned to the thing that you clicked on. Mm -hmm. And then you got right. to deal with, does it pop up or does it pop down or does it pop left or pop right? And what does it do on mobile? And does it go full mm. screen? I'm like, why, why am I working so hard to make this small little window be in the right place when I could probably just use more space? I'm like, what if we just slid it in from the right? And then I started looking around for like, what, well, what other sites do that? And I couldn't really find anything. And then ah, I forget what it was. It was, no, some like a AWS thing or it was Captain Underpants. It was Captain Underpants <laughs> Flipporama, and I was like, "That's it." Something something jogged my memory, and after we did it, I had found a couple other apps that were doing something close to it. And off the top of my head, I I can't remember what they are, mm -hmm. but yeah, it it worked, and it was a good good simple solution. And the other thing I love about the solution is that this is a case where animation adds so much to it. Mm -hmm. In in other words, just seeing the thing kind of animate in 
It's not annoying. It's not gratuitous. Right. It really gives you context and helps you understand exactly what is going on. Yes. And I thought that was really cool. Like, I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, of it. There are a number of people out there that are really into cards. I remember the Palm Pre, the, like the last Palm Pilot, the Palm phone. Yes. WebOS mm-hmm. was really big on cards. And there, there's like a legion of people out there that are dying for more card-based interfaces. You should really look at that. Just, yeah, just what they were doing. And then, you know, if those are potential customers. Yeah, sure. People that are yeah, yeah, get, them, so get like, them on board. The, yeah, there's like three dozen of them out there. <laughs> get, get them on board the Statamic Express, yep. right? <laughs> That's right. I will track them down individually and uh, <laughs> I'll pick them up in my sedan <laughs> and bring them to a workshop and buy them Chipotle. But what I used to do uh, for solving the, the kind of problem you're talking about is I would actually open the CMS up in, in, in two windows a lot of the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Right. Where at one, I'd have the thing I'm editing and the other, if I needed to reference other stuff, right. that would reference it there. And that's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of lame. Yeah, it's not that <laughs> it doesn't work, right? And it's not like yeah. what we've done is revolutionary to the point where, can you believe it? Now you can edit two things at once. You're, I mean, you're still only right. editing one thing at a time, but you're doing it in a way that, keeps you in the flow and helps contextually work through what you're doing. I'm editing this. And because I'm editing this, now I'm editing that. And you have less chance of like editing the second thing and forgetting to go back to the first thing and making your update. Mm. And, you know, those those changes like sync in right away. So if you need to edit a title and you click save, then the title, you're looking at that updated title on the first homepage or whatever. Yeah, it's just nice. And I think I think solutions like this are... They're kind of like bugs. Like everything is obvious in hindsight, but the hard part is actually getting there. Yeah. You know, it always is. There's so many things that I look at them and I'm like, oh, of course, you know, that's the way to do it. But the hard part is getting there. That's the hardest part. And then naming it also. And then naming (laughs) it. it. I'm pretty sure there's features we've built that we couldn't come up with a good name for. So we just never released them. It's like, because this totally should be called Fliparama, you know, (laughs) (laughs) comma, tra la la. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I, I thought that that was a really, really nice content solution. And that got me starting to look at this a little bit more closely. And something else that you've been doing for a while in Statamic is conditional fields. Yes. But it sounds like you're you're taking that kind of to the next level with Statamic 3. St- Statamic 3. Yeah, Sorry. definitely taking it to the next <laughs> level. And okay, so... Well, it, what are they? Tell us, tell us what well, condi- conditional fields are. Sure. So a conditional field is, they're just, is rules that you can apply to your field set. That's what we call uh, your, you know, your list of custom fields that you've configured to, you know, blank mm-hmm. entry out of. Yeah. Uh, you can set rules on any given field to be shown or hidden until another field has a particular value or doesn't have a value or is greater than or less than something else. And so you can set those links between fields. And so, for example, say you want to add a hero image. So you have a button that says add hero image, and then you click that and a bunch of other stuff pops up. Instead of having mm. 25 fields you know, visible on your in your field set, you can have seven, the seven required things. And then you can start to nest logically those extra fields that are only important when you're doing something else. So maybe so it's how like... Com- if you, how complicated can these conditionals be? In, in V3, basically infinitely complicated to the point where if you need to do something we didn't build into the interface, you can write your own JavaScript method to like reach into the Vuex store and do whatever you need to for a comparison. And that that mm. tends to be what it is, right? You're you're showing or hiding something when some condition evaluates true or false 
or you know greater than or less than. So that that's what we've done. In in version two, we we had conditional fields, but they only work on your top level. So like text fields, text areas, you know, WYSIWYGs, asset fields, whatever. But we have these meta field types, which are field types that you can put field types into. Containers. Like, yeah, kind of containers. Yeah, exactly. We have uh, the replicator, which is similar to uh, craft. I think they call it the matrix. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we have the grid, which is more like a table-based thing. We have Bard, which is kind of like a WordPress Gutenberg-style block-based editor. And oh, we're getting to Bard. We're getting to Bard. Okay, later. cool. Don't we'll worry. get there. All right. <laughs> uh, so any of those fields inside of a field, you can't do conditions on those in in Static Two. And mm. the reason being is the way Vue.js one. I don't. How technical is this podcast? Can I talk about like one directional it, like prop it's, mutation? It's very. <laughs> it's very technical. And you you pulled back the veil and and mentioned that you're using Vuex, which is telling me you're using Vue. So yep. Let's go there, man. Okay, cool. Let's so in in view in view one, which uh, is what we're using in Statomic two, because you know it's been out for a couple of years, and we mm-hmm. started using Vue when it was in like pre one dot x. The, the data can go two ways in view one. You can pass it down, you can pass it up, you can mutate props. And because of that, you know, you can start to build yourself into a box that you can't get back out of again. You know, a, a given field type knows what its parents' data is, what its data is. And so the siblings in that tree could like know what each other are. But once you get down deeper into that tree, like you have to go all the way back up and over and all the way back down again in a way that's like basically... A, impossible to write clean code to find a way to write a condition. Yeah. So yeah. in Statomic 3 with Vue 2 and using Vuex, we now have this beautiful object store that you just can reach into and explore. And, you know, we also pass in like the local context. So whatever f- like field that that you're in, you know, if it's a meta field like a like a matrix or, or, or like a replicator or bard, you know what the the sibling fields are, and so you can write like a simplified syntax and keep that simpler. But basically, yeah, there, there's no limit to like going up and down and around in the tree to write a condition that does what you need to to show or hide your fields. And that's the long and the short of it. Yeah, because and part of this is driven by view two, I would imagine, and that they change the way that data flows, right? It's all right. Kind it's of all one directional from, now. It goes top yeah. down. And if you want to push it back out, you admit an event and it goes back to the top. Or you yeah. push and, it into and, and, the VUX store. Right. And then that then gives you the better pattern of using an actual store and now you're benefiting from it. Exactly. You know, I, I think it's really cool to see situations like this where lower level frameworks make architectural decisions and then it ends up with a much better product for the things that build on top of it. You exactly. Know? Yeah. It's like those 10x, 100x, 1000x things where yeah, the, the sort yeah. of things that, you know... Uh, Carl Johnson, who runs, you know, the local general store somewhere in like Tennessee now can like upload his menu uh, in a way that he doesn't have to show his desserts if he doesn't have. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's like that's who's going to benefit from view well, two features. The, we right? use the example of Billy D with his Buffalo tan and hide uh, business that he has out there that's, in Nebraska. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah I was going to say so you're whatever. using Andrew's hypothetical characters. To <laughs> the... How dare you? How dare you come on my show and use my hypothetical characters? Should we go back to the pirates? If the plane no, be I mean, longer than nine meters. Uh... <laughs> but conditional fields, like it, it's something so it, it's something that is 
badly needed in in craft and there are like mm. third party solutions or whatever but conditional fields are, are again one of those things that you don't necessarily think about it immediately but when you start going down that information architecture rabbit hole yeah. where you're building stuff out and there you're thinking about the actual person that is going to have to interact with this thing right conditional fields make a huge difference from the content authoring experience right they they do yeah it it becomes it, it can take a a form that is so unwieldy they're afraid to break anything when they look at it mm-hmm. and break right. it down to just the important stuff and have it kind of unfold as they go and i think that experience it's, it is up to the developer to implement so not you know if someone has a really small budget or doesn't have a lot of time or aren't that experienced they may not be able to take advantage of it but those that can will just make so much better of an experience for their content authors that i just i hope everybody actually gets a chance to use it yeah this is something i've been saying for a really long time is that it's my opinion that good software is deep it's not broad In other words, broad would be you provide every possible field and option that they might need for this particular entry, whatever it is. Right. And sure, it's all there, but it's very broad, right? Deep would be you use something like conditional fields that people can drill down to the same level of specificity. Right. But it only exposes what they need as they need it and kind of drilling down into that deep uh, authorship. Right. I mean, you know? and when it comes down to it, most data is, I mean, it's a string or an array and the array is going to be an array, you know, array of strings, right? So you don't need to have these super complicated, you know, super field types if you can tailor the experience and just collect the data you need to and then assemble That's it on right. your template level, right? I think that yeah. that will let you do way more with 25 or 30 different field types than 290 highly specialized ones that most of which are never use, which means they're never updated, which means they fall apart over time, right? So, Yeah, and it's funny because this is something that we kind of intuitively know just from like the everyday experience of living. We wake up in the morning and we have uh, a sink that has the things that we need immediately right there. And then in the medicine cabinet, there's stuff that we sometimes need. And then in drawers down below, we've got compartments where they're, you know what I mean? And we kind of intuitively will put things in boxes and section them away in such a way that we don't have to deal with the complexity unless we need it. It's important. Yeah. So, I mean, that sounds really awesome. (laughs) What other features jumped out at you? Let's keep talking about that. Well, yeah. So that's what we're going to do. So the other, the one that I want to talk about is that you touched on earlier is bar. Okay. So what is a bard? Sure. First of all, Uh, a bard is ultimately a, uh, it's a text editor. No, no, no. The word oh, the, itself. What is word. a bard? Oh, what is a bard? A bard is yeah. like a minstrel. It is a, a storyteller. Mm-hmm. It is, right. you know, I'm a big like Dungeons and Dragons guy and I love playing fantasy games and role playing games. And like the bard is that like cool character. Um, I mean, or maybe not so cool, but is that that character who tells a story, who uh, can communicate with people in a way that nobody else gets to. Right. And so that's what I decided to call our big, you know, content editor, the one, the thing that you use to write your stories in. And, you know. But isn't like in Dungeon and Dragons, isn't the bard kind of like the, what was it? The blue shirt or whatever from Star Trek? The one that di- dies immediately? <laughs> no, absolutely not. The red shirts. No. Okay. Yeah. Red shirts. Sorry. Sorry. No, the bard's cool. Oh my God, I've got, have, I'm going to have a bunch of angry Star they Trek. They have things. great, great <laughs> spells like hideous laughter and, uh, you know. Okay. <laughs> heat metal. It's pretty sweet. Um, All right. So tell us about the I bard. I always thought it was in... going to be Shakespeare. Uh, I'm surprised too. 
Oh, right. He, he's mm, the sure. bard. Yeah. He, yeah. Shakespeare is like the quintessential real world bard, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that's just a specific bard. No, he is the right. bard. So that was, that was like a nickname? Or yeah. 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 Capital T, capital B? Yeah. Nice. Anyway, what is it in Statamic? <laughs> sure. <laughs> what is bard in Statamic? Bard in Statamic is, it is your... Statamic. Your... It could be the one, if you're going to have one field, that's going to be the one you're going to use. And it starts with text and mm-hmm. you have your, uh, you know, you've got your toolbar with bold and italic and like insert link and all that kind of stuff. But as you're writing and it's, it's kind of like Gutenberg in WordPress or medium, or as you're writing, you can, uh, if you start a new paragraph, you get this little button that says plus and you click it and mm-hmm. then out come a bunch of options. And those options are totally up to you, whatever you put in there. We call them sets. They're barred sets, and they are groups of fields that would be inserted anytime you want. So, you've, if you want to have uh, like a photo gallery in the middle of your, you know, your article, you right. you know, you set your asset field, and then maybe a caption, and then you know, a link to another thing, or whatever fields are important for your gallery. You would group those up, put them in a set, put that set in your barred uh, field. And then as you're writing, you can click add photo gallery and boop, it'll just drop a box in and you can upload all your photos and fill that stuff out. And you can drag and reorder and move that block around anywhere you want in your content. And then, you know, you can collapse that down to a nice little like slim block, slim little box, and then keep writing and add any other sets you want, you know, block quotes, any, anytime you want to break up that markup and be able to do something more, you know, specialized with it and your kind of long form content, it's perfect for that. You people have built uh, like page builders where you know you have your you can do the entire page of a like a custom like landing page in it where you insert a you know hero header and then you got your background image and like a color overlay and like your blend mode and and then your text and your subtext and you can uh, and you know in V three you can have all the conditional fields along with that as well and then you know you've got your your body content and you've got your video embed or audio embed and it just all that stuff gets dropped into that content and you don't have to you know use a WYSIWYG field where it's going to drop your markup in and it and then later if you would redesign your site you have to go update 9000 entries you it's well that's what i was about to say is why why are why are we using this for long form content and why are we using a content builder why don't we just give people a WYSIWYG field and they can just dump whatever they want in there because then you that, what are what are the downsides and the clients are going to ruin it <laughs> well, right. So, I mean, if you have too many controls and you let them, if you, if you let a user have all the buttons, like insert a table and then like put a video yeah. in there and then like change the color, then it all gets hard coded to those particular sizes, you know, widths, colors, fonts, or whatever you give them control for or control over rather. And mm. then there you lose consistency. So by breaking that stuff out into fields, into groups of fields, you don't need to to decide what it looks like, how it's controlled. You can do that on the template level and you can restyle it however you need to. And, uh, you know, both your markup and your CSS. So it gives you ultimate control over the presentation of whatever you need that data for. Yeah, we we love our clients. So, you know, we're not... We have to protect not, them from themselves. And it's ultimately right, everybody not, is happier because of it. I mean, right. the client doesn't want to make the site look uglier. They're just trying to like, I know that this needs to be important. And all I have access to is like font. So I'll just pick this other one so it stands out. And it's like, I understand. Right. But if you had, you know, you know, call out, you had a call out set. And you just like drop that in. You put your text in there. 
then, you know, then I can style that in a way that is important and we can change that if we need to. And all of that stuff makes it really flexible. Yeah. Because all of the clients we work for are very smart, presumably in, in whatever their area of expertise is, but they may not be designers. Right, totally. Right. So they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And it, it reminds me of us getting home after we've left, left the kids alone for the past three or four hours. And just like, what did you do? <laughs> like, oh my God. Well, I was because making we've marshmallows all and, <laughs> right, right. Uh-oh. you know, and there'll be a story and it'll make logical sense, you know, why they're standing there in their underwear with burnt marshmallows on the sink, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it'll make sense when they retell it. Right. Um, I mean, that's like breaking that happens, you know, like it yeah. makes sense one step at a time. But oh boy, where did you go? Like you shouldn't have. Yeah, how did you get you, here? You should not have ended but, up. but it's really true that if you just give people a free form field where they can enter whatever they want, you're really not being fair to them. Right. I don't think you're doing your job. Your job is to design something for them, give them a design pattern, give them structure. And if you just get, say, here you go, like do whatever you want, I don't think you're doing your clients right. right. And, and that's what CMS is like, Statomic and Craft and, you know, a couple others. Uh, that's Those are the type of projects that they're perfect for. If you have $210 to launch a site and you have four hours, maybe you should use WordPress, slap a theme in, and then just, I don't know, just dump your stuff into it and, you know, last as long as you can, then throw it away and build another one next year when it's like untenable. So, you know, we'd solve the, you could, you could do that, but please please don't, don't, please don't do that. (laughs) There there are better solutions, I think, for that type of site. Uh, And we're going to be talking to Vlad from Webflow, who I think Ah, that type of site, I think does a does a really really nice job uh, with that. So we're we're gonna forgive you for mentioning the the WP word on the show. You know, it felt wrong when it came out, but I was just I'm trying to show that I'm I'm open minded. Oh, you you've definitely proven you're super open minded. <laughs> but the, okay, so then I'm like, okay, this is really cool. I'm reading these blogs. I'm like, this is really neat. Like, I feel like I'm on this journey with you as you're telling me about how you're building. And it's not just you, right? You've got a team of mm-hmm. people that are building this, yes. right? So when I'm saying you, if you're listening to this and you're one of the people that is helping to build it, I'm talking about it's the royal you. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I feel like I'm on this journey with you as you're documenting the, the stuff that you're adding and I'm learning about the cool features that you're adding. And then you start talking about Statomic. Statomic? Just pick Statomic. one. He told you it's okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. I, I'm a deer in headlights. I don't know which way to go. Right or left. <laughs> I'm not sure. And then I start reading about Statomic at scale with Spiegel. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And the fun thing is that you did this in a, a two blog post where you tease people in the beginning about what it was. And then you kind of did the reveal later on. But why don't you talk about what you revealed in that blog post? Because I thought that was really interesting. Sure. Uh, the, the reveal blog post was kind of the culmination of a year and a half worth of collaboration and kind of concepting a new approach to storing data at scale with Statomic. Hold on, hold on. The whole thing oh, you took w- you four months in the beginning. What's going oh, on? Wait, <laughs> oh, no. That was back in 2012 when, when I you could just build a blog. <laughs> like we could oh, okay. do more than now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one thing took way longer than the initial, uh, you know, the initial 1.0. But the one of the problems that we wanted to solve with Statomic, and in fact, that, that Spiegel, the, the German news media company, solved for us, I guess, in a way, Statomic 2 is, you know, we have this control panel. It does everything that, you know, uh, that apparently that a, a publishing company of that size needs. And the, the one thing it doesn't do is scale 
to the size of that organization. So when the the way well for context for context, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, but for help me for context, help me tell a story. Spiegel, Spiegel, how big is that in Germany? Can like an analogy? For, they're the like the New York uh, Times of Germany. There yeah, you go. The, right. So that were, gives, yeah, they were there with Edward Snowden for that. Like they major, right. major respected delegation. Yeah, super, super uh respected. They're they're the four hundred and eighty-third largest website on the internet. Um mm-hmm. you right. know, th- I mean that's it's top five hundred. That's pretty big, right? That's a large yep. right. that's a large site. It's a lot of content. When you, yeah, when you took when you talk about scale, I just want to give people the gravitas that this really is like, this is some serious scale here. Yeah, right? you don't really have scale much bigger than that. I, I mean, there yeah. anything at that size is kind of, they're all sort of in the same sort of territory. So they, they looked at Statomic as a solution for their scaling problems. And what they, mm. they saw what I hoped that we could get to one day, but with a team of three people, I wasn't sure we'd ever, we'd ever get there especially and convince someone at a size of that scale or a scale of that size rather to believe in us, right? That's kind of like, mm. there's one thing to build a product. It's another to like convince someone to try it and actually use it. And so they had found us, had prototyped the stuff out and, you know, said, Hey, here's what we did. What we did. Would you like to come over and see it? I'm like, yes, we would like to see what it is that you've done. <laughs> um, Absolutely. I'm very curious. And so, you know, the, the flat file thing is great to a point, but it does, you know, if you're going to com- have to basically parse all of your entries when you update the site or all the entries in a collection or however, you know, different ways we can split that up, there's going to be a point when you hit like hundreds of thousands or millions, you're just going to sit there and sit the edge, you know, the, comp- the just the, the compilation process is just too long. That's just not feasible. The static. Well, and Unix file systems also have a limit in terms of, I mean, I guess yes. you could solve it by having one file per, per directory. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't whatever, have yeah. more than 10,000 files in one folder or one directory. Right. Uh, you run out of inodes, and I, I know a lot right. of all the stuff that I never thought I would ever have to. Never, never, <laughs> never wanted, wanted to know. To about. know. Never tried yeah. to put 10,000 you know. files in one folder, but you can't. Yeah, now you, you know. can't do 10,000 in one. It's impossible. <laughs> uh, so when you want to get to that scale, you need to have a, a different stack, right? And so what they ended up doing was staying with the flat file solution. But they stored the files differently, one file per folder, and then they uh, would push the, those files into that and they, they would be able to conversion control all that stuff. And then they would simultaneously push you know, through a worker queue out to an Elasticsearch instance. And that Elasticsearch instance would hold the most, I don't know, the most recent 100,000 entries. And, mm. uh, and then they would use that as an API and pull that back into the control panel to feed the data back in. And so what they were doing in Statomic 2 My goodness. was they were kind of hijacking our save and hijacking our load where they would you know, bring the data back in and convert it and fake it so that Statomic thought it was coming in as YAML so that I could parse it back to PHP. And then it would like take the YAML, like save it and then move it. So they, were, they kind of like built like a pre and post process and made it work. And it actually worked really well. Um, it's just, you know, I wouldn't want to recommend other people do that. It just feels really janky. And so we just started like, what would it take to actually build this in as part of the core? Uh, would this be like a top down approach or bottom up approach or middle out approach? I don't know. And, uh, and so what we, we took our entire data layer, the way we work with the data and we made it so the control panel doesn't know where it comes from at all. It's completely abstracted. And so you mm. can write an interface to the pattern that the control panel expects and your data now can come from 
anything you want. It could come from MySQL or Redis or Mongo or Firebase or Elasticsearch or whatever. And, you know, everything will work. You just need to write like a, you know, get all, get by ID. You have to write like this, you know, half a dozen or maybe it's a dozen methods that work out those queries. And then right. your entire, you know, system will kind of work on whatever data store you want. And so in, in PHP parlance, you essentially you wrote an interface and yes. any data provider or whatever you want to call it has to implement these methods. I think this is the, the most amazing part of what you're working on for Statomic 3. Because it, it reminds me of what Gatsby, for instance, is doing with their content mesh. Mm. In that it's in that both of you are kind of saying, I know your modern website, your modern web app, data comes from a whole bunch of different places. We don't care. We have this like neutral API mm -hmm. that we query. And then you can have as many data sources as you want. It can come from files. It can come from Redis. It can come from a third-party API. Like we don't care. Exactly. And it... Yeah, it's super, super amazing. Yeah, and yeah. it and it makes sense, right? So we have like Statomic really is two different applications. There is like the kind of the front end system, the, like the templating and the tooling, the views and like their tags and stuff that let you pull all the content out. And then there's the control panel that is the authoring experience. And they, I mean, obviously they talk to each other because they use the same data, but you really could like split them in half and like have one without the other. And this lets you use either or or both in whatever combination that makes sense for you. And uh, it's just really exciting to see all of the potential use cases for it and the sort of mm -hmm. organizations that can take advantage of all the hard work that's gone into it. I mean, we wrap a lot of amazing open source packages for different field types and for all sorts of really cool stuff. And by bringing them all into one place and just kind of wrapping it up with, with convention and configuration, there's so much that you can do with it. And it seemed like an, an obvious choice where we can now serve new audiences with one product. And, uh, you know, you may not use our antlers syntax and that's fine. Like you, you might just use a control panel or you might just use a control panel and use it as a headless CMS and like consume it in an iPhone and Android app. And there's a lot of different things that you can do. And now you get to own your own stack. You don't have to pay $500 a month for a, you know, a, a headless CMS as a service application. You can just run this yourself. Right. I, I mean, I, I just think that that the idea that you're implementing here, essentially abstracting away the, the data layer. Again, I, I think this is the probably one of the most important ideas, at least mm. from my opinion, that's in Statamic 3. Mm -hmm. And I know I know Patrick is a big Gatsby fan, but I would imagine that that kind of appeals to you as well, Patrick. Yeah, really, very much. I mean, I, and I do want to ask about GraphQL support, but it does look like some people have made Statomic talk directly to Gatsby JS because you can go non-GraphQL. But yeah, I mean, just going back to what we were saying about Expression Engine, and I came up with it as well, kind of 2009 through maybe 2011. And there was a time when the, you know, the templating layer there started to feel, you know, really long in the tooth. And the idea that so much of your software stack is modular and things can be swapped out pretty easily mm -hmm is just really interesting. The idea that, okay, a flat file, if you're actually hitting that, you know, that scale, you could go to Redis, you could go to Mongo, you could go to all these different ways, as long as you mm. fit some agreed upon interface. And right. yeah, same could go for your templating layer. And as you said in the blog post, uh, you, you don't love antlers? Okay, use Blade, use Twig, mm -hmm. use whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah, I just love the idea that, yeah, I have to think it's going to make you much more agile over the years too. Yeah. Um, in terms of what you want to ship with as your defaults, because that's, I don't know, you almost have to start thinking about, okay, we ship with antlers by default, but then here's our, 
ready to go adapter for swapping out for Twig or exactly whatever. It's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, that specifically, we have a convention. You can just load in extra like uh, template language parsers, and you just uh, mm-hmm. we'll look at your the file name of the file. So like .antlers.html, we'll parse with antlers. .twig.php, we'll load with twig. Mm. .blade.php, we'll load with blade. And so there may be certain cases where you want to have one view or one partial use one template mm-hmm. language or another because of That's whatever. It, it, yeah. You know, as long as you abstract it You've got a developer who's like, yeah, yeah. yeah there's no sure. reason why you can't do it that way. I mean, you could yeah. also misuse it, right? So that you run the risk of, yep. by giving so much flexibility that you can create like a multi-headed beast. But, you know, we're, we do our best with documentation and recommendations and best guidelines and screencasts to say like, here, try to take a unified approach, but here's, you, we can adapt to your tooling and your preferences. Just because we like something yeah. doesn't mean you can't use your thing if ultimately it's just a clean abstraction away. I, yeah. I think flexibility is fantastic, but there also is some value to when someone sits down to work on a project from Statomic that they know mm-hmm. that it's going to be using X, Y, or Z to some extent, yeah. right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's a lot of convention yeah. around like the naming mechanisms, the patterns, and the locations yeah. where things go. So at least you know where to go. Maybe you're not familiar with Twig, but you jump into your views and you see there's Twig views and you go, oh, okay, I guess I got to brush up on Twig. You know, yeah. that's not the worst case scenario. If, if Twig now is like registers in this like vendor export folder in another location that's like compiled with an external app, like that's... That's messy. Right. But if we can right. if we right. can keep our convention in place and then let you have your customization inside of that, I think that's the best case scenario. So I promised someone whose name rhymes with chill that I would ask you about antlers. Okay. Okay. So first of all, my hat is off to you. I had never thought of these little curly brackets as antlers, <laughs> but now I can no longer see, when I look at them, I can no longer see a mustache. Yeah. Now all I see is a proud beast with yes. its antlers outstretched. Fantastic. So I mean, it's pretty wild. But my question is why antlers? Like, why are we, why, are, why do we have another custom templating language? Um, because it let us uh, integrate kind of closer to the metal and to make the, what you had to learn to use Statomic smaller if you didn't know something already. I mean, that's where... It, was this pre-Twig? Was Twig even around when you I think Twig was or? out, but it was really early and we tried to work yeah, with okay. it and it was really buggy and we literally yeah. couldn't do some of the things that we wanted to do with it at the time. There was like Liquid came from like the Rails, like, oh right? You know, yeah. the, the Jekyll Liquid <laughs> yeah. thing. And they, they, there's a PHP port now, uh, years later, but that wasn't an option. I didn't want to write something custom. We actually used Lex, which came from Pyro. Mm. That's where yeah, Antler started. Well. We yep. forked it. There, there's like, I don't think there's any original code left, but that's where it started. And what we wanted to be able to do is I really liked the expression engine. I like certain parts of the expression engine templating system where you didn't have to write four eaches and like have to assign temporary variables to get these really long kind of hard to grok like you know, code pairs like braces. And they were, that's intimidating for someone who just knows HTML and CSS who wants to wire their site up. So if you know HTML, you go like, look, here's a variable. You see two tags, whatever's in that, that's a variable name, done. And you don't have to worry about anything else. Like if you want to get your, right. your, your blog entries, it's collection colon blog, done. Like it was very simple. You didn't have to learn new conventions. And that's what, that's what I wanted. And that's why we, you know, went with the antlers. Like are there things it can't do? Sure. Like there's, but there's things that it right. can do 
way more tersely than than Twig can. And I think it's a lot more readable if I'm being perfectly honest, but it's totally, it's preference-based. And in V3, you don't have to use it. You can use Twig if you want. Well, and don't feel called out because I asked Taylor Otwell the same thing about Laravel and Blade. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why, why don't you, why don't you just switch to Twig? And he, I mean, his answer was essentially that, well, there's just so much legacy code, like people would freak out. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? that's a thing too. Um, yeah, right. But I like that you have the yeah. flexibility, and and so does Laravel. That if you wanted to swap in a different rendering engine, like yeah. okay, you know, you go can. ahead. I mean, you inject. That and what came first was it? What came first was it Antlers or the whole? I remember you used to have an aesthetic for Statomic.com with a lot of the great outdoors, and I think what the e-commerce Jason's thing was Bison. And yes, which came first? Yeah, well, um, which came first, that or Antlers? Are you saying, or, or I guess the antlers, or the the wilderness. Oh, the thing. wilderness thing came first, and then it, it was just we had imported the Lex library. We we're calling it Lex. I think the entire mm-hmm. V one, and when we rewrote for V two, we decided like let's just it's there's nothing left. Like it doesn't follow Lex's patterns anymore. Let's just call it our own mm-hmm. thing. We'll call it the antlers parser because it looks like antlers, and our antlers are part of the branding. Which has since like, been that's phased out clever. a little bit. Uh, we still. I love the new website. Vaporwave is a thing now. I, I I didn't know the name for this, but you you're living the vaporwave life. Have you heard about? Oh this? yeah, yeah. Vaporwave, like oh. synthwave, uh, retrowave, oh, all that God. stuff. That is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, how much you know about me, but that's basically all I do. <laughs> just I mean, like... the, the mid '90s <laughs> were the greatest time to be alive, and yeah, yeah. It, this just takes me back. It just, it just makes me happy. I mean, here's a plug for my synthwave mixtapes on uh, Spotify. <laughs> like, I have four of them, and I'm, yeah, it's. Oh it's my, my god! Thing. I don't know what I'm cloud. doing. Wow. I, I'm probably going to regret this, but you'll have to send me a link. I'll add it to the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> sure thing. Yeah, I just love it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a Miami style. There's a lot of different styles in that early '90s, late '80s mm-hmm. thing. And uh, I mean, it'll get updated for V3, but it'll still be it'll still be vaporwave, like retro '80s, Good. '90s. Yeah, that's I. All right, Jack. 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 This sounds awesome. When is it going to be released? We don't have a hard launch date yet, but we're working uh, to get into alpha, hopefully in the next week or so. And then we'll have an open beta uh, once we've kind of worked out whatever people run into in alpha. We don't, you know, if there's a problem that five people can report five times or 500 people report 500, you know, I just, I'd rather work out a couple of kinks quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. As far as like final commercial launch, I mean, this, sometime this year, I don't know exactly when. It all depends on how beta goes. But pretty pretty soon, we're getting close. Andrew, when are you going to launch Statomicmatic? <laughs> I don't know. Are you going to be a Statomagician? As, oh my god! As soon as I can get Jack to write me back, I'll do it. Okay, I'll get to work on it. As soon as that happens, I'm going to find that email or that tweet or however you reach me. No, no, I. I I think I just DM'd you. Okay. I, I'm kidding. Like, I, I don't care. I'm from New York. Like, I, you I do just, because you brought I'm it up. Very insen- I feel bad. I'm insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, I brought it up because it actually is something that I'm interested in doing. I think it would be, I think it would be a pretty neat thing. And I'm kind of excited by some of the stuff that you're doing in version three. Well, so, wait till you see what you know? we put on our blog today. Today being oh God. Friday, May 10th, even though this will come out, what, like right. next week? Um, yeah, Monday. It'll come out on Monday. Monday. Something. Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, that's perfect. Like, if you can, if you don't mind, shoot me that link as well as the link to your mixtape. <laughs> sure. <laughs> of, of none of the music that I made, but curated carefully for you. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's it, it has some of you in it if you have curated it, it right? It 
Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, you, Patrick. Don't, make, don't make it weird. Don't make it weird, Patrick. What's the matter with I you? I think he was just reflecting. I don't understand <laughs> it, and I refuse to acknowledge it. <laughs> <laughs> that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmo.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS, or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at devmo.fm. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, as well as on Jack's mixtape. <laughs> leave us a comment on the devmo.fm website. For the devmo.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Patrick Harrington. And I'm Matt Stein. And a special thanks to Jack McDay. Oh, that's terrible. Why'd I do that? was cool i really do antlers is very clever and i'm very angry that i've looked at that for so long and i've never thought yeah, of antlers. it doesn't really matter it's not like i'm making That's, money by yeah. coming up with that <laughs> but it's still clever and i appreciate